0: everybody we are back with another episode of the around the rotunda podcast my name is austin deer and i am here with my co-host sean crow Uh, unfortunately uh hunter couldn't join us this week but uh we're gonna be holding it down for you uh after a a two-week hiatus unfortunately you know uh between the bye week and then you know busy schedules and whatnot you know couldn't couldn't get a pot out for you guys but we're officially back and you know we're back in sean we're in much better spirits this week. We actually got a win, a road win
1: in the ACC. It's against Georgia Tech, but, hey, a win's a win, right? That's right. I mean, especially a road win. You Even even under Broncos' good years, you know, we, we weren't winning on the road all that much, so you, you definitely take it. Tony Elliott's first road win. And my first game I've attended in person this year. I was actually down there in Atlanta, so that was exciting for me to see in person. I can imagine. So it's safe to say that uh, you're probably our good – you're a good look our good luck charm at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to get to some games at Scott stadium so I can help the team out a little bit more.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, the sooner, the sooner the better would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so looking back a little bit into uh, the Georgia tech
0: game, obviously this is uh, Tony Elliott's first uh, ACC win and uh, the first road win for, uh, for Virginia this year. Um. I, I, I know it wasn't the prettiest win in the world, um, the, who's ended up winning 16 to nine. That game felt like it should have been like 35 to nine. Um, yeah. you know, it, 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 definitely felt like Virginia was always in control of the game. Um, even though the score didn't necessarily show it. And a lot of it just came down to, you know, the same mental mistakes and stuff that we talk about, you know, the offense really seemed to be moving the ball a little bit better this, uh, against Georgia tech, um, Brendan Armstrong looked a little bit more comfortable, um Xavier Brown got uh really was was a highlight in the running in the backfield and uh you know we're starting to see uh maybe even a little bit of vintage wicks a little bit uh with that crazy touchdown catch that he had what uh would you kind of make of uh what'd you make of the offense this week
1: yeah I thought it was kind in some regards more the same what I do like about the offense is like you said they are really moving the ball so like they I kept looking at the scoreboard in the stadium throughout the game and I kept looking at the total yard disparity. And I was like, Whoa, like based on total yardage, kind of like what you said, like this game feels like it should be a blowout. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did really like that. The offense was moving the ball with ease. That was nice to see. But um, when I say more of the same, kind of the same things we're seeing over and over again, just lots of stupid penalties, lots of receivers dropping the ball. Um, You know, the first interception, was definitely not Brennan's fault. It was off of Keaton's hands, goes right to the Georgia Tech guy. And, you know, Keaton's yeah. been our most sure-handed receiver this year. So I'll cut him a little slack because we haven't seen as much of that from him as we have from Wicks and Davis. But then, you know, second half, Brennan makes a – I think it was second half, early second half maybe. Brennan has a great, like, scramble drill, throws it to Davis in the end zone, and he just drops it. So Yeah, we ball just, right, right in his chest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so offensively – once again, for me, it was really frustrating because, like, I do love the fact that we were moving the ball a lot, but we're just like so many self-inflicted wounds. We just can't get out of our own ways. So, for that, sure. that, that was
0: frustrating for me. And not to, and not to mention, you know, the the other
1: interception that he threw to
0: to, uh, to Demick Starling. Like, you know, with Demick being a gun guy, so you kind of you kind of understand it in a way. Like, you know, he's still learning and and whatnot, but. I wanted to see him fight for that ball a little bit more. Like I Absolutely. felt like and kind of Tony Elliott alluded to that. Like it wasn't necessarily a horrible ball by Brennan. D- yeah. Did I like did I like him throwing that pass? Maybe not too much, but there needs to really be a little bit more of an effort by by Demick there to, you know, to prevent that ball from being intercepted at least. You know, yeah at that at that point, if you realize that you're not gonna be able to catch that catch that ball, you're on defense now. You gotta prevent yeah. you gotta prevent Georgia Tech
1: coming away from that coming away with that football. Right. No, I totally agree. You Definitely want to see him, you know, make a contested effort there. And I'm not sure if they showed this on TV or not, but I actually had to view this on the sideline. And after the um, play, Brennan was pretty animated with Starling on the sideline. He was kind of, you know, giving him a stern talking to. So it was clear that Brennan was kind of unhappy with that there. But I definitely felt the same way about that interception. They didn't they didn't show that but it, it makes sense now uh to you know
0: kind of what alluding to what tony elliott you know talked about in his uh in his comments after the game
1: um
0: but you know it's he's a young guy you know we know that demic has uh demic has a lot of talent and you know i i, I feel confident that he's only going to learn from this and you know we hopefully you know we're going to see him get more opportunities uh to be an explosive uh player especially you know since you know Some of our more veteran guys have kind of struggled a little bit. You know, the younger guys are going to need to step up and and get opportunities, and you know, but it's going to be good learning experiences for them. So, you know, hopefully they'll continue to improve with that. Absolutely. So I want to talk about Brennan a little bit. You know, I know we've kind of already touched on on kind of what the offense looked like some, but I thought, you know, I'm starting to see more and more improvements from Brennan each week. I think he's starting to get a lot more comfortable in the system. One thing that I noticed this week is – Brennan was not afraid to get out of the pocket. Um, yeah. You know, he – there were – it seemed like he, he carried the ball 13 times for 91 yards and, and added a touchdown on that. So, uh, I, Coach Kitchen's talked about, you know, about half of those were design runs. The other half were, were, you know, just pure just scrambles out of the pocket, you know, because he was feeling pressure. That's the Brendan that we needed to see. That's where, he you know, he was more effective. Yes, he had the two interceptions, but the two interceptions weren't even his fault. So, it's like, you take away those – Brennan has a pretty solid football game.
1: He yeah. Was 20,
0: he was 20 for 35 with 255 yards added a touchdown. In all reality, he should have had at least two touchdowns because Lavelle Davis dropped one. And yeah. you know, when you look at the points that were left on the board here. I mean, you had the Lavelle Davis drop touchdown. You have two missed field goals. You have, you have an extra point missed, you know, that's, that that's at least, you know, that's at least yeah. 13, 14 points right there. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, you really think about it. I mean, this game could have easily been, you know, 30 to nine. If you just, if you literally just add, you know, the two, the two touchdown, the touchdown and the missed extra and the missed uh, field goals there. Yeah. You know? So it's, 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 it's frustrating in that sense, because it's like, sure. The score, the score showed 16 and nine, but you know, if Lavelle Davis catches that football and Will Betteridge puts in, you know, two really honestly chip shots, you know, that, it's a completely different story. We're not sitting here wondering why the heck the game's still 16-9.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and yeah, just to go back to Brennan, like, um, yeah, I mean, overall this season, I've really been feeling for him a little bit. I think he would definitely say that overall in the season, he has not performed the way he wanted to um, so far. But you can also say that he has really had little to no help almost with the offensive line just kind of – you know being makeshift bringing up a lot of young guys and then uh the receivers just with countless drops and i thought brendan struggled with accuracy a little bit like there were yes. some some throws that were like at people's feet mm-hmm. uh you know throwing off the back foot i feel like there were probably four or five of those throughout the game um but as you mentioned overall still his stat line should have been much better than it was had he gotten a little bit of help with the interceptions not happening and then at least having one more touchdown to Lavelle Davis. So I thought all in all, you know, it was probably a, a B game from Brennan, but it was, you know, certainly a step in the right direction, I think. Um, sure. So yeah, hopefully he can build on that going into Miami.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You're definitely right about the, uh, about the, the
0: missed throws, you know, um, I, I kind of had, for, I kind of had forgotten about that. Um, but, you know, I know we missed, I, I know he missed at least, you know, a couple of Billy Kemp specifically. Um, you know, those are, and it was just honestly throws that if he set his feet, you know, make a good throw, you know, those are, those are ones that were used to him hitting. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I feel confident, you know, I'm, I'm, you're starting to see a little more improvements from him. So I have, I, I feel confident that he's going to figure that out. Um, yeah. you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe we'll continue to just continue to see steps in the right direction. Um, one, so go, moving on to the rushing attack, at least, um, Xavier Brown, uh we're continuing to see just more and more flashes of of him you know stepping into the spotlight he led the team with 12 carries for 45 yards didn't have any touchdowns on the day uh but you can just tell that the coaching staff is getting more and more confidence with his abilities to run the football um paris jones had had 10 carries but I think it was a little bit of a silent ten carries, honestly. Like, yeah. I think a couple of them even came in like the first drive of the game before he fumbled. Um, Xavier Brown is kind of turning into, you know,
1: the Mister Reliable a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely really excited about um, the future of Xavier Brown, knowing that he's just a freshman now. We have, you know, hopefully three more years to look forward to with him. And um, I got to give a shout out to you, Austin, because I actually remember we did a pod like maybe a, a spring game recap or something like that. Or anyways, I remember that we were looking at the recruiting class for this year and we each like named our, our player to watch. And I remember you named Xavier Brown. So I got to give a shout out to you there. Cause I am, I'm all in on him. So I'm definitely excited about him, but yeah, that fumble by Paris Jones was uh, that kind of took the air out of the team. I think first drive, we started with a quick first down and then, and then that happened. So yeah. But, it was, but yeah, it was
0: it was just br- brutal, man.
1: Cause, I mean, it's like
0: you see the team like is capable of moving the football. It's yeah. like
1: you know you, you can
0: you can sit here and you can point fingers all you want at the coaching staff. You know, Des was calling you. De- In all reality, I thought Des called a pretty good game. Yeah. A- aside from a couple, can you know, I I, don't, I hated the two. There was two plays on third down that I could not stand. It was the one like little out route to Keeton that. There was no blocking. You know, just get the ball past the chains. It's like thirty. It was I think it was like third and three. And then on third and nine, they called a screenplay. It's like, okay, so sure, yes. I guess you know you expect blocking to be there, but it push the ball downfield. Don't throw it laterally. Like like get the ball past the chains. That's what that's where my biggest frustration is, because like we had these mismatches at receiver that for the most part, I felt like we were kind of exploiting, you know, throughout the game. So it's like if, if the DBs for Georgia Tech showed no sort of you know competitiveness in this game, push the ball. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, get, I don't get those third, two third down calls. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense for me.
1: Yeah. Yep. Definitely get that.
0: But um, but besides that, I mean, overall, I I thought I thought Des uh, Des' play calling and game plan going into this game um was definitely improved and it seemed like he did a decent job of exploiting georgia tech's weaknesses um yeah, i think it just i think a lot of it just you know the the underlying story kind of going on throughout the season is it's execution you know not shooting yourself in the foot the countless penalties i think we had 10 penalties again this week yeah you know, it's just like that's just it's just frustrating man Yeah, The the fumble on the opening drive, more, more drops, you know, it's just, it's one thing after another. And, you know, it's, and like, it's not, it's just like simple, like false start penalties that are like killing drives and putting us behind the chains. And, you know, it's hard to recover from stuff like that, especially when the offense is having so much momentum.
1: Yeah. I mean, being there in that, in the stadium, like, every time you were like starting to feel good about how we were moving the ball, there would just be a really deflating mistake, whether it was a missed field goal or like you said, a penalty or a drop. Or a turnover, like, uh, yeah, I mean, not to harp on it, but, yeah, this game should not have been close. And it was just kind of frustrating. I'm glad we still won, but, you know, knowing how much more sure the result could have been. Um, I want to get a quick shout-out to the O-line. While they did have some, some killer penalties, no sacks, so certainly um, that, that's a good step in the right direction to see. Absolutely.
0: I, I was extremely impressed with the way the offensive line played this week. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's really a testament to just how far they've come and, you know, the work that two, that coach 2J has done. Um, they're really going to be tested this week against Miami. Um, we'll talk about that, uh, you know, a little bit later on, but, uh, Miami's defensive front, I think could uh, have the potential to give them some problems. So we're going to need to, we're definitely going to need to, uh, step up, um, this week to uh, continue to protect the quarterback. Um, but speaking of defense, uh, we got to talk about our defense from this past game. I I, I know I know Georgia Tech had a backup quarterback in uh, for probably about half the game, um, but even when Jeff Sims was in the game, Georgia Tech was doing nothing offensively, and I mean nothing. Yeah. the The front seven for this team is an absolute force, man. Mm-hmm. An absolute force. Eight total sacks on the day. I mean, Nick Jackson continue even even when he's not playing at hundred percent, leading tackler on the team, two sacks. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Chico, Chico Bennett continues to impress. Uh Aaron Famui had a good day. Uh Cohen King came away with the interception. Mm-hmm. Um Jonas Sinker continues to be reliable. He had two two more pass deflections this year yeah. uh, in this game. Um Paul Akiri uh, came onto the scene as well and uh, did really well um, Michael at as sack as well. Paul Akira actually had two sacks, uh, to, uh, this, um, on Thursday night. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's continuous improvement from this defense. And we're finally starting as much as they hyped up this front seven, uh, throughout, uh, throughout
1: the off season, man, they're, they're playing at a really high level right now. Absolutely. I mean, this entire year long, you know, you just got to. Really give a shout out to Radzinski and the work he's done in one one off season, and yeah, um, for me, what was exciting being there in person was um, seeing some some young guys emerge. I um, I have to admit I did not know who number eighteen was before the game. It was Michael Diada. I, I was sitting there in person. I kept seeing this number eighteen making plays. I was like, who is that guy? So I had to pull up the roster online. I'm like, okay, it's Michael Diada. Like, it was there somebody? Yeah seeing him and uh stevie bracy i know he only had one tackle but he got um you know pretty significant playing time and i thought he he looked pretty good out there so it's exciting to see some of these young guys come along also thought that uh james jackson did a good job filling in for josh ahern Mm -hmm. so um yeah but and gotta love the homecoming performances for both nick jackson being from atlanta and then chico bennett uh having been a former georgia tech player so that was cool to see as well but yeah I mean just uh what more can you say the defense every unit played very admirably so love to see that absolutely and uh also Central Cypress is a, is another one that you know that's been you know just consistent
0: uh this uh this year the secondary i think is probably the the biggest thing that has been you know just uh, the most drastic improvement we always kind of knew there was talent on the front seven um i just thought the the scheme itself and i think I think that's what we're just, you know, coming to see is the scheme that was implemented last year was horrible. Yeah. It didn't fit it didn't fit the strengths of these players. And what we're seeing now is Coach Rudd, you know, implementing a scheme that actually fits everyone's strengths. People are playing in the positions that they're good at. And we're seeing exactly what they're capable of doing. Yep. And you know, it's just it's really been it's really cool to watch these guys play with, you know, just a ridiculous amount of confidence. Um and I, I, I think I think they're they could be with this with i feel a lot, i feel a lot more confident going into this miami game um with the level that they're playing at you know because you know even though yeah miami's without their, their starting quarterback like there's still there's still talent on that roster you know to they've been they've they they kind of value running the football um but you know the way though they've stuff that we did a done a good job of stuffing the run you know this year up to this point you know i i feel confident that you know we' we're, we're gonna you know be able to be able to hold miami as well
1: yeah, no, definitely can't stand off about the job the defense is doing out there. For sure.
0: And obviously, special teams continues to be an issue. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we kind of alluded that uh, Betridge had a rough day with being one for three on field goals, one for two on extra points. Um, then you have then you add the kneel down by Dimmick Starling uh, at the three-yard line when he was just supposed to just fair catch it. So, ball got placed at the three. Thank goodness it was just the end of the half, and we didn't have, really have to worry about a whole lot, but, you know, just another mental error. Um, Lavelle Davis had a penalty for jumping over the blockers. Um, and then we had a blocked punt, too, didn't we? Yep. Uh, Daniel
1: Sparks, fourth quarter, I believe. And it was, you know, it was it was at, like, our own 25-yard line. So, the fact that Georgia Tech did not score from it, thank goodness, because that could have
0: yeah put the thank result in
1: doubt. mm mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, but speaking of Daniel Sparks, uh, he had a, he had a really good game. He had uh, put three balls inside the twenty yard line, and I think two of those were like inside the five.
1: Yeah, if yeah. I remember
0: correctly. Um yeah. So he's kind of been really, you know, the, as bad as special teams has been this year. You know, he's kind of been a uh, a uh, he's been you know a, level, a little bit of you know, level of consistency throughout the season with you know with his production and everything. And you know, I know Tony Elliott has continued to harp on you know kind of having a. A little bit of a come-to-Jesus moment, I think, after the Georgia Tech game of, you know, really focusing on making sure that we're improving on the special teams under the ball because Kansas continue to have uh, mental errors like this or it's going to end up costing them points yeah, you know, and wins. Mm-hmm. But um, got anything
1: else for the Georgia Tech game? No, I, I think you pretty much covered it.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's see here. So, uh, talking on the – so, Tony's presser this week. Uh, one thing of note. Um, Holland, uh, Mike Hollins, and both Jay Wolfick will be back this week. Uh, neither one of them dressed for the Georgia Tech game. And speaking of that, uh, Jay Wolfick apparently has been worked out a little bit at punt returner.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: Sean, how are you <laughs> feeling about our backup quarterback being worked out at punt return?
1: You know, I think we saw uh, Brennan was on the punt coverage team, like his first or second year under Bronco and that was certainly unconventional but you know seeing Jay in the name or in the running at punt returner obviously takes me back to Marcus Higgins that's the last time I can remember like a a UVA quarterback being back there for punt return so definitely you know I think um, overall I'm good with it like obviously you want to be mindful of not getting your quarterback of the future injured but at the same time you know he's kind of blocked for playing time, obviously right now. So kind of yeah. any way you can get him on the field, I think is uh, you know certainly unconventional to have a punt returner. But at the same time, I'm uh, I'm pretty intrigued by the idea. So
0: I'd be interested to see like you know how how electric he might be. You know returning punts. You know just with his with his athleticism and everything and how quickly he can move. You know I I'd be really interested to see how he can do, especially with Billy Billy Kev not really being a hundred percent yet you know, I, I, I'd kind of be intrigued to just see what he could do back.
1: there. Yeah, no, definitely.
0: Um, so be nice to get, uh, we'll be nice to get Mike Collins back as well. Um, just to add more depth
1: into that running back room. Um, are you kind of surprised that we haven't seen, uh, Ronnie Walker yet? I was, I was going to mention that. So I'm a little surprised about both Cody Brown and Ronnie Walker. I know both of them were kind of fighting injuries, early in the season, but I am a little surprised that we haven't seen much of them at all, especially because uh, exiting the spring, Ronnie Walker was being talked up by uh, the staff as, like, the, the number one guy in the running back room. So it is a little surprising. Um, I'm looking at the season stats now. Ronnie Walker doesn't even have a carry yet. I think yeah. he, wa- he was on special teams in the Georgia Tech game. And Cody Brown only has two carries for four yards. So, both of them I am surprised we haven't seen at least a little bit of. For sure. And, I I, I mean,
0: I, I guess it's, you know, how how Paris performed with Ronnie being out um, and Cody being out as well. But, I mean, it's not like Paris Jones has put up, you know, lightning numbers that have, like, has, like, required to keep him in the game. You know, and same thing with Mike Collins, honestly. Like, the most consistent running back that we've had has been Xavier Brown. Yep. So it's like you know, I would almost, I would almost, if you're if you're gonna split carries, you know, I'd at least give you know, give Ronnie and Ronnie Walker and, and Cody Brown a, a shot, you know, yep. and see see what they can do. But um, you know, and and it could be that they're maybe they're still injured and they just kind of haven't really alluded to the fact that, you know, they're still kind of battling that stuff. You know, we really don't know. But um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I it's something it's something to definitely keep an eye on to see if you know they
1: get any more playing time as the year goes on. Yeah, I do feel a little bit for Ronnie Walker. It feels like he's just kind of had one thing after another with, with mainly with injuries. But just unfortunately, he hasn't really had a chance to get on the field all that much. Um, as a hometown kid, you know, high highly regarded recruit, I definitely was pulling for him. But unfortunately, just hasn't really panned out so far in his time at UVA. For sure, for sure. All right, well, uh, let's uh, move on to
0: Miami. So uh, the Hurricanes come to town this weekend, 1230 kickoff at Scott Stadium. And let's just say this game, I was definitely expecting both teams to be a little bit different uh, coming, uh, at this point in the season. Um, I think Miami especially, uh, with the expectations that they had going into the season, you know, picked first in the Coastal, and they haven't lived up to the expectations at all. Uh, very mistake prone team uh, kind of battling. It seems like a lot of the same stuff that UVA is dealing with a lot of mental mistakes, you know, the talent's there, but they kind of defense has been subject to big plays. Offense has yet to find any sort of consistency. Um, The biggest thing is Miami's kind of wanted to, you know, put an emphasis on running the football
1: and they have not been able to run the football this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, really this is uh Like you're saying two teams that are finding themselves in similar positions Um, with Miami. I'll say I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like, yes, going into the year, there were kind of high hopes about Miami, but it kind of has felt every year in the past five, maybe even 10 years. For the most part, Miami tends to have a lot of hype, but they really haven't executed at a high level, except for that one year with Malik Rogier quarterback. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you look at their wins and losses, they really do not have an impressive win this year. Their their best win is Virginia Tech. Um, but (laughs) that's that's, and I mean, do we we want to consider Southern Miss maybe a better win than Virginia Tech? (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) but they, they really don't have a win to hang their hats on, and they lost to Middle Tennessee State. Van Dyke has been good, but not as not nearly as good as expected. Um, I mean they just had a disastrous game against Duke with I think eight turnovers. I believe it was the most mm-hmm. by an FBS team in, in some time. I don't know yeah. how much time, but uh but yeah, they've just kind of been a hot mess this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um one thing that I know Miami has kind of been dealing with some injuries as well. Um, like they just got uh one of their wide receivers back, uh, uh Jacoby George uh, returned last week. Um their wide receiver one, Xavier Restrepo, I believe. Uh his still out. Um, he got he got injured in Southern Miss against Southern Miss in week two. Um and I believe oh yeah, they lost their number two tight end uh, for the season. Um Henry Paris Jr. was also injured, I believe, in the game against I think he returned in the game against Duke but i know he was battling some injuries as well so they've definitely they've definitely suffered some injuries on the offensive side of the ball i think they've suffered, suffered some injuries on the defense a little bit as well as in their secondary um but regardless you know the competition that they've played i mean it's not you know, regardless of the injuries or whatever they should they should be winning games you know especially against like middle tennessee state and quite frankly they should be beating duke yeah
1: no i definitely agree and especially that duke game was at home and i think they they jumped out to a big lead. Obviously, Van Dyke getting hurt didn't help, but I think they were winning at some point, like, by at least 10, and then they just fell apart. For
0: sure. Now, uh, so with with Tyler Van Dyke being out for, you know, at least two weeks, uh, Jake Garcia is going to be making his first start, uh, first collegiate start um, for uh, Miami this week against Virginia. And he's had some action previously. Uh, I think he came in late in some of the games that they were kind of winning in blowouts. Uh, but he got he did see some significant time against Duke with, uh, with Tyler Van Dyke going out with injury. Uh, it's you know worth noting that he did have two touchdowns. Uh, he, he's, he's an okay thrower like he, he can throw the ball a little bit. But he, one thing with him is it's kind of been alluded to is that he's a major risk taker. Um, and that's I think it's kind of well known with his uh, with his five turnovers that he had against
1: Duke, three interceptions, two fumbles. Not necessarily a great day for him. No, not at all, and it also looked like he was a bit lacking in, in a pocket presence as well. I saw some highlights, and so yeah, I think this is definitely going to be a game. Obviously, we'll get into the keys to victory, but if our D line can can wreak some havoc, I think we could get him rattled and force him into some more turnovers. Absolutely, absolutely, and um,
0: Henry Paris Jr. So we, we kind I kind of talked about how you know Miami wants to has really wanted to try and establish you know establish the run this year, kind of like what Virginia's wanted to do. Um, but uh, they haven't been as successful with it. Henry Paris Jr. has kind of been their go-to guy. He's battled some injuries uh, a little bit as well, but, you know, his mainly two good performances uh, came against Bethune, Cookman, and Southern Miss. Outside of that, he's only had one game over a hundred yards. Um, and so he's got 89 attempts, 441 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he does receive the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Um, he's got two receiving touchdowns as well. Um, so there's something to keep an eye on, but, this is a guy, especially with, you know, Jake Garcia making his first start, I think Virginia's really going to have to put an emphasis on making sure that they stop him. Absolutely. So, um, and then on the, also on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Will Mallory. Uh, he's a fifth-year tight end. Um, he's been a really, a really uh, kind of a bright spot, a little bit level of consistency for him. He's already kind of surpassed the numbers um, as far as catches and yards goes that he, you know, had from what he had last year. Um, he's already got twenty-five receptions for three hundred and forty-nine yards and he's only got one touchdown, but you know, seems like a guy that they kinda wanted to go to in their offense. Um and then Colby Young. Um Colby Young, uh, my brother kind of told me he's a huge Miami fan, kinda told me about this guy. Juco transferred that you know it's kind of been of a little bit of a breath of fresh air for them. Um he's only been he's only played in less than three games, but he had um again since their fourth since the fourth quarter against UNC um, he's had 18 receptions for 280 yards and four touchdowns. So, somebody to look, somebody to definitely kind of look out for. Um, he's had two uh, looks like he, uh, oh yeah, he was the sec- he was the conference receiver of the week um, as well. Uh, he notched his second 100 yard, 100 yard game in
1: a row um, hmm. against Duke. So, definitely somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. So, hopefully, we can keep him in, in check. Yeah, for sure. Um, the On the defensive side of the ball, this has kind of been
0: a defense that's really been prone to, you know, big plays, I guess you say, a little bit kind of like kind of what we dealt with last year. Uh, between I know I saw a couple against Middle Tennessee State, UNC, Duke, um, definitely a group that has been, I guess, necessarily the highlight um, for – Miami but they still have kind of been suspect to uh to a couple to you know to allowing big plays um they haven't really dealt with I guess they're they're relatively healthy so they haven't really dealt with too many injuries I think they had a couple in their secondary early on um but they um they're uh, it seems like Miami's kind of just beating itself up off of you know mainly turnovers Um, You know, the defense overall has kind of done a good job. You know, they're only allowing 24 points per game and 343 yards per game. So, you know, obviously you can 343 yards per game and putting that with 24 points. I see that as a lot of a lot of a lot of points coming off of turnovers from Miami's offense.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. Really kind of a similar storyline to what we would say about ourselves at this point in the year. So
0: yeah, seriously. And you know, it's honestly kind of a miracle that our that our defensive stats are still as good as they are considering considering the struggles that uh that we dealt with. Yep. Um but uh they do have some uh, pretty pretty notable guys on uh this team, uh especially on this defense, especially in uh Corey Flag Jr Corey Flag Jr. Uh linebacker, he's a leading tackler with 37 uh tackles. He's got 10 tackles for loss, um, and two and a half sacks added that as well. Um, so definitely a guy that's um, you know, going to be one to keep a lookout for. Uh, they also have a pretty good guy in their secondary who's uh, uh, Cameron Kitchens. Um, he's got 25 tackles and three interceptions on the year. So three picks on the year is pretty impressive. Um, so uh, that's definitely going to be a guy that I would you know, maybe avoid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and uh, it's actually, you know, one thing to note, too, he's, uh, he's only a sophomore. So you know this this guy's you know definitely you know somebody that's stepping on the scene kind of you know like Virginia, you know young young guy that's uh, kind of making making a little bit of a name for himself that
1: you know maybe to see a bright youth, bright future for. Yep. So I guess we got to prepare to deal with this guy for the next two two years after this to come. So <laughs> yeah, I know
0: if he don't if he don't find
1: his way into the NFL after next year, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Then
0: on their defensive front, uh, this defensive front's actually done a really nice job. Uh, for for them. Um I believe they have one more sack than Virginia does. Hmm. Um I think it's 24 total. Wow, even after our eight sack game against
1: George Tech, they have one more than us? I think so. I'm pretty wow. sure.
0: Um which is like kind of which is like kind of surprising. Um let's see if I can find the sack numbers. Um, I know I saw it somewhere. Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, let's see, here, twenty-three. So I, I, so I think I think my UVA has twenty-three team sacks. Um, and Miami has twenty-four. I okay. believe. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Seven so schools actually reported the total. Yeah. So uh, one thing to note: uh, twenty-three team total sacks is uh has already surpassed our number from uh twenty twenty-one. Yep. So. <laughs> uh. So that's so one thing to kind of like kind of alluded to earlier is the offensive line, while they perform well, uh, I think they're really going to be tested with this defensive front, um, especially with uh, the likes of, um, of Akeem Mesador. He's kind of their main uh, defensive lineman. He transferred in from West Virginia um, and he's, he's had a really nice, nice start to the season. Uh, he's got five sacks this year. Uh, so definitely they, they like to bring a lot of pressure out there uh, and, and, yeah, I want to say they had five total sacks against Duke. Mm. Um, so definitely going to be definitely going to be something to keep an eye out for. I think I think one of the biggest keys is they're going to have to protect Brennan. Um, you know, I think really controlling the game up front um, is going to be, is going to be huge for for uh, for us in this game.
1: Yeah, win the battle in the trenches both by protecting Brennan and, and getting after Garcia, and like I said earlier, forcing him into some turnovers and sacks.
0: For sure. And you know, that kind of leads right into uh right into our keys to victory. You know, when the winning the turnover battle, I think, is you know the one that's going to be kind of consistent every week. You know, we're one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to turning the football over. And Miami has also clearly shown that they're prone to turning the ball over as well. I think for you know, a team a team that just had eight turnovers uh against Duke, I don't think this offense is is showing is gonna be showing a whole lot of confidence. Um, I think I think Allowing the the defensive front to, you know, pressure the quarterback and and really get to you know a guy that's making his first start is going to be crucial. Um, I think that's one thing that we really struggle with against Louisville. We didn't get to the quarterback at all, and so I'm hoping that's really going to be part of the game plan here. Is you know, trust your corners, trust your trust your guys in pass protection. I think really putting a lot of pressure on on this offense on Miami's offensive line and Jake R.C. is going to be is going to be really crucial and to you know, making sure that, you know, we force some turnovers and, and get some points going our way, because I think that's going to be our best opportunity to score points at
1: least. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. And uh yeah, I mean, this is our, our third backup quarterback in a row that we're facing, obviously with uh, Georgia tech Sims started the game, but we saw one pretty weak performance against a backup quarterback in the Louisville game. And then one really strong performance against a backup quarterback in the Georgia tech game. So hopefully they, can kind of take some lessons from the Georgia Tech performance and uh, apply them uh, and kind of follow up that effort with another aggressive, um, yeah, heavy pressure game against a backup QB and get them rattled.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I think another thing, too, you know, we, we got to see more consistency from the, uh, from the receiving corps. Um, you know, like we kind of alluded to, the Miami defense is really prone to big plays, and I think it's really important that, you know, does develops a game plan that's going to, you know, be able to exploit it. Um, but ultimately it's going to come down to player execution, Brennan, be able to make throws and, you know, us not dropping passes when we have the opportunities to make big plays because, you know, this is a defense that's still going to, you know, be, it's still going to be tough to move the football on. Um, but I think, uh, I think if given the oppor- if, if the opportunities present itself, you got to take advantage
1: of them. Yeah. Uh, for me, this has been probably hands down the most puzzling and frustrating aspect of this entire season is just the, the receiver drops. You know, I think most UVA fans going into the year would have said hands down receiver was one of, if not the position that we felt most, con- you know, bringing Billy Kemp back, bringing Wicks back, getting Davis back from the injury after missing a year, Keaton in the year he had last year. And yeah, we just, we really haven't seen it. And uh, you know, I, I know that uh, coach Higgins is frustrated about it. Um, and I know that we lost some points on the board with our receiving core last year, or sorry, last week, and um, also directly contributed to some turnovers. So, you know, we've been kind of we've been kind of waiting for that uh, breakthrough game from from the receiving core, and you know, we have all the talent to do it. So, we'll see if maybe this is the week for it. For sure, for sure. I think probably the most
0: important part of this game is we got to improve on special teams. We can't leave points on the board. We can't give up, field, uh, you know, good field position because of, you know, poor special teams play. Um, I think just some of that and, you know, limiting penalties is going to be, I think, the most crucial part. And, you know, it's it, it might not be that those aren't the flashiest points of the game, but, you know, it's it, it's stuff that matters. And, you know, field field position matters, you know, uh, just not – and not, not giving up points on, on, on kicks – you know those are those are just crucial, and I'm hoping that being back at home is probably gonna is hopefully gonna give will a little bit more confidence you know being being a freshman kicker on the road you know I get it's tough, so I'm hoping that maybe he'll rebound this week um but you know i guess we'll we'll see what happens
1: yep definitely
0: so all right let's uh move on to our last segment of the week um our <laughs> week nine degeneracy. <laughs> um so we obviously missed a couple weeks um but if we let's see here go back to when we did our last pod the louisville game um i had i had air force minus so for our locks of the week i had air force minus 10 versus utah state that was a horrible pick utah state won that game outright that was kind of wild i was not expecting that um Hunter had Kansas state minus two versus Iowa state. I believe they won that game by one, which is tragic. Yeah. That's a, that's a horrible beat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then you had Kansas plus six and a half versus TCU. Did TCU win that game by seven by seven. So it was another brutal one. I I missed it by half a point. That is tragic. Yeah. (laughs) That is tragic. Like, like I can almost deal with you know my team like my, my pick just straight up losing outright you know that yeah. that's something a little bit easier to swallow y'all that that's a brutal loss yeah very <laughs> tough yeah um so Hunter this week has ODU plus three and a half versus Georgia State honestly like that pick a lot uh yeah. Georgia State has you know been really inconsistent I'm pretty sure they fired their head coach too mm-hmm. um and ODU is coming off a big win against Coastal Carolina I think I think this could definitely I could definitely see this one going mm-hmm. ODU's way.
1: Yeah, I think the only reason that ODU is underdogs is just because it's a road game for them. But, you know, based on the season standings, you would definitely think, at least on a neutral site, that ODU would probably win this game. So, good pick for Hunter. For sure. And uh, you and me, Sean, we both have uh, Wake
0: Forest minus four against Louisville. So, why do you see this one as your lock of the week?
1: Yeah, so I'll say I wasn't trying to copycat you. I looked at this independently, and <laughs> I I came to the same conclusion. So, hopefully the fact that both of us – identified this um, as a lock without talking to each other about it. Hopefully that means that it's a good pick, but, but yeah, I mean, I just, the game's at Louisville, but I, to me this just seems like a slam dunk. Obviously I could be jinxing myself by saying that, but (laughs) Wake Forest has looked really good. Louisville for the most part has been really mediocre. So I see no reasons that this game should be closer than four points. I definitely agree with you. I think, uh, I think,
0: I think Wake Forest's offense is going to have a field day. Um, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to how well their, uh, how whether, how well their defense uh, stands up uh, against Louisville, which I mean, Louisville's offense hasn't been nothing spectacular this year. So I think if, if Wake Forest can you know, hold them, hold them off a little bit, you know, I think it'd be all right. Um, but you know, Wake Forest shouldn't have any trouble moving the football this week, so that was kind of my that was kind of my look at it. Yeah. Um, upsets of the week. So when we last picked, um, I had UNC plus four over Miami. That was a win. Nice. Yeah. So no faith in the Canes whatsoever. Give me that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so UNC UNC with the win. Uh, let's see here. Hunter had FSU plus three over NC State. That game was close, I believe. I think it was definitely it was a loss. But I want to say it was close. I can't yeah, remember. I honestly cannot remember either. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then you had LSU plus three over Tennessee, which was also a loss. Yeah. That
1: game, that game was not close. That remember. was one that I could feel good about, like you were saying earlier, where basically it was so bad that it was never going to be a success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was I, I was not heartbroken. It was 40-13. to 13, And obviously we see what Tennessee has become since then. Um, not yeah. that they weren't that before, but I think we just didn't fully know it yet. But I mean, now they're number three team in the country. Yeah. So that, that was a big miss by me. They're pretty, they're pretty legit this year. I'm, I'm
0: excited to see what they do against Georgia. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to see what that game turns out to be. Cause that's probably, that's going to be their best defense that they're going to face all year.
1: So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be,
0: it'll be interesting. It could um, be a, a play in
1: game for the college football
0: playoff as well. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, but I think with I think with Tennessee hold, holding a head-to-head win over Alabama is going to come huge for them down the stretch. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how this how everything kind of plays out. Um. So for this week, Hunter has plus one and a half, uh, Oklahoma State plus plus one-and-a-half over Kansas State. Um. think it's a great pick. Uh, Kansas State has is a good football team, but uh, I think Oklahoma State uh, with their offense and their improved defense, I think, has been you know a lot better than you know people have expected. Um, well, I think people expected them to be good, but they're much better than I guess what I expected them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could
1: definitely see them winning this game outright. Um, what about you, Sean? Yeah, I, I think it's a good pick for Hunter. Um, for my pick, I have Coastal Carolina, uh, plus two and a half over Marshall. That's wild that they're underdogs in this game. I know. I think once again, you know, the game is at Marshall. So I think that is probably the main factor and, you know, Marshall is not a bad team, but, um and coastal Carolina is also coming off the loss to, uh, to ODU. Yeah. So I think that's probably what's contributing to the line being how it is. Mm -hmm. That being said, I, I think this is a good like kind of buy low opportunity on coastal. Um, I think had they not lost that game, they would be pretty clear favorites in this game. Um, so I feel, I feel pretty good about this pick. Um, one thing that's nice one thing
0: that's nice to know, it seems like Coastal Carolina is definitely uh, a little bit suspect. Like, I don't feel like UVA doesn't have a shot against them in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, they're definitely not the team that they were last year. Like, I'm looking at their season results right now. They have one 17-point win. But other than that, everything has – all their other wins have been within 10 points. So, they're really – even against some um, – not the best competition. They've had some close calls. So
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so for me, uh <laughs> I'm taking UVA plus two over Miami. <laughs> um I don't know I don't know why, but I guess I have this jolt of confidence after you know beating beating a mediocre Georgia Tech game team on the road with a backup quarterback. Uh but you know what? A little bit of confidence is, is some confidence and I'm riding with it. So <laughs> Give me the who's at home. Miami Miami is three and five at Scott Stadium since they since they arrived at the ACC. Give me the who's at home. They they, they,
1: they thrive in Scott. <laughs> I think this is Miami's because of the weird like COVID scheduling. I think the first trip to Charlottesville since 2018, I think. Because we were in 19. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were supposed to have them at home uh, in the COVID year where the schedule got all shuffled. And uh, we played like 10 ACC games. We actually, oh, yeah, up... we, we played them like three years in a row at, at, uh, at Miami, didn't we? Exactly. So, so we did end up still playing them, but it ended up being on the road instead of at home because of the weird scheduling. So, yeah, that's right, God. What a mess. Yeah, but yep. uh, yeah, so give me the give me the who's uh, at home. I, I really,
0: I, I really like them to win this game, I really do. Um, there's also a big recruiting weekend in Charlottesville. A lot of lot of good names uh popping up on the uh, thanks to thanks to Jackie Franciulli over a while who's twenty four seven, you know, providing us with all the uh with all the insight on, on the recruiting trail and whatnot. Uh, you know, UVA's got a lot of big visitors coming up um, for uh, the Miami and the UNC games. So, you know, definitely uh definitely important for, you know, the crowd to be raucous and providing a good environment for these guys. And um, you know, most importantly, good it's gonna be important for a good play on the field too.
1: Yeah, no it's definitely an exciting stretch here with um four home games in a row coming up. So, um we don't leave the state of Virginia the rest of the regular season. So, um so can't complain yeah. too much about that. <laughs> exactly. Um but uh all right, so what's your uh, what's your final
0: score prediction for the game this weekend?
1: Oh man, yeah, this is a toss up. Give me let's see. I will go uh I think I'm gonna go 2017 Miami, but I hope I am wrong. Ooh, a Miami win. All right, all right. Well, only th- only three points. I think it's a toss up. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just- I, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. That's also, that's also not a
0: UVA cover, so we don't like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I am gonna go UVA 24 to 20. Okay. I think, the, I think the offense does enough to put a couple more put, put a couple more points on the board, board than what we've been averaging. And yeah. uh, I think I think we clean a few things up and look a little bit better this week. I think the defense continues to roll. I so, like that. Um,
1: I'm going to go. I'm going to go 24-20. Who's the only difference between our two scores is you have UVA getting one more touchdown, and I have Miami getting the same number of points. So hopefully, hopefully we get that extra touchdown.
0: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And you know I'm just going to like dig into Hunter's mind real quick. Uh, I think he's picking the Who's to win this game as well. So we'll leave off with that. I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, Sean, well, uh, as always, man, it was a good time. And, um, you know, obviously we'll miss you in Charlottesville this weekend. But uh, we know that you'll be there uh, in spirit and watch. I'm sure probably watching some, watching the game somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as always, uh, good time and uh, go Hoos.
1: Yeah, man, go Hoos.